You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. The tournament is finally here, and the brackets have been set. Teams are ready to hit the court. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy, is celebrating their largest free college basketball survivor pool ever. How large? $1 million in total prizes up for grabs. And if that's not enough, check this out. When you enter the free DraftKings $1 million survival pool, you could get a shot at winning $10,000 for every upset through the first two rounds of the tournament. It's easy to play. Just pick one team per day. If they win, you survive and advance to the next round. Last person standing is the winner. Remember, you can only pick one team once for the entire tournament, so choose wisely. DraftKings is a secure and safe app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Get in on all this week's action. Download the DraftKings app now. Enter the code THPN during sign-up and enter the free $1 million survival pool. Again, that is code THPN to enter in DraftKings' free $1 million survival pool. Eligibility restrictions and terms and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Shoot, Alrighty, and welcome, folks, to episode 17 of the Rig Rats podcast, the Edmonton Oilers podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. After a solo episode in where I was just so lonely, luckily, we have my partner in crime returning. Kyle, welcome back, buddy. I missed you dearly. Hi, folks. Hi, folks. Glad to be back. Glad to be back. And I gotta say, unlucky for you, you missed three big games that we didn't, we weren't able to put any predictions on and you weren't in the last podcast. So this is the first time you might've heard this, but you've tied the score up Kyle in the last game that we predicted, you predicted the correct three, two regulation. You said overtime, but they picked up the three, two regulation win. You picked up two points. I only managed to get one for the win and we are tied at 14 to 14. Yes, I made it work. So you've back, uh, you, you've clawed your way back up into it. Unfortunately, we missed out on three big games here. We could have yeah. predicted, but the Oilers have, I'd say, since the last time we talked. Obviously, the last game that we're going to talk about today is a loss, and we'll get to that. But I'd say for the most part, they've pretty much rewritten the book and turned the ship around um, since the last time we talked. Coming off of the three losses to the Leafs. Certainly. They put up two resounding wins against those Senators, just uh, showing the prowess, you know. And here's the thing. At the time we're recording this, the Maple Leafs just lost again in regulation to the Senators. So I don't want to hear any of this bull of, oh, the Oilers are beating up on the Senators because the the Leafs are having, like, can't beat them right now. So, like, the Senators are taking points from other people. It's It's amazing. And the Oilers are pulling points. So, I mean, it's, it's amazing what a couple of weeks can do here. Shout out Stutzla. He's looked good, all things considering, for the Senators. Yeah. We'll, t- we'll talk about these games, though. So, we've got the first game, which was just another blowout. Another 7-1 win. Uh, not another 7-1 win, but a big 7-1 win for the Oilers. Another seven-goal game 
by the Oilers on the Leafs, though, you know, converting another field goal and the touchdown on them. Uh, they've just really torched the Senators. And the Oilers put up four goals in this first period. This was just a fun game. And it was it was funny because we felt that the Senators were going to come in after, you know, a, a sort of a back and forth, relatively tighter game in the first game of these three games versus the Senators. We thought they were going to come out tighter. You know, they're obviously... At, at the time that they had played this game, they've lost five in a row to Edmonton at the time of this game. So they, they don't want to lose them anymore. And it just seemed, I don't know, like, I don't know what it was, but the Oilers just blew the doors off of them. They were not ready for them. Like from the puck drop, the Oilers were just all over them. They didn't have an answer for McDavid and Dreisaitl. There was just no counterpunch. And like, there was a point in this game where McDavid and Dreisaitl had them. Like, it was a power play, but a five-on-five power play. They were just in the zone for three minutes. Uh, it was a really just dominant performance. Dreisaitl converts a hat-trick in this game. Five points for him, three points for McDavid. Neil scores. Jujar Kara scores. It, it was just a good night for everybody. Matt Murray stays in for the entire one. Exactly. Point night. Tyson Berry, I believe, had three assists in, the game, in this game as well. So, it was just it was a good night all around. Um, so Kyle, we got a seven, one win here from the Oilers. Obviously this is, this is a fun night for everyone. Like you said, point night, everyone's feeling good. Obviously the big boys are rolling. Uh, do you feel a little bad for Ottawa? Uh, no, they have the chuck <laughs> on their team. I mean, what is it, what is it about the Oilers here? And I guess we'll, we'll even move forward then into this next game. Um, it was a tighter one and I was actually surprised Smith got the start in this one. It's the first half of a back-to-back. Um, the second half going to be against Ottawa the next night or against Vancouver the next night. And I expected, and I had said in the last podcast that I expected to have Koskinen start in the first game versus Ottawa and then have Smith start versus Vancouver. Cause I figured that Tippett was probably going to want Smith in the quote unquote hotter goaltender to play against the better team in Vancouver. And you have Koskinen play versus the Senators. So I was actually relatively surprised to see Smith get the start again versus Ottawa. Do you think it's just he, he's trying to keep that same group together? Like what, what do you think is going into that decision? Because that, that was a decision by Tippett that confused me because I, I didn't expect it after I expected him to, you know, give Smith the tougher matchup. Yeah, I definitely understand that, especially, you know, with, with Tibbetts, uh, I guess we could say favoritism towards Smith. I think, I think we can. I think it's fair but, to say it's favoritism yeah. at this point. Or with Tibbetts' favoritism towards Smith, you know, you would have thought he would have played him against the quote-unquote tougher team. You know, the Senators haven't beat the Oilers once, so you figure you put Costner in and then Smith plays the back-to-back, but it, it goes the other way, and I'm assuming he just said, hey, listen – you were hot last game. Go ahead. You're hot again. And then I, I don't know. I really can't read into that one all that much. I mean, it's just he went the other way and made the decision. I guess that's how that one went. I don't know. Smith stays hot, though, picks up another win versus Ottawa. And the Oilers, after the three game series versus Ottawa, improved to seven and zero against the Ottawa Senators. Uh, this was a tighter game. Tyson Berry picking up more points and everything. Uh, what do you take away from this three-game series, though, versus the Ottawa Senators here, Kyle? I think the Oilers just showed that they have absolute dominance over the Senators. And I don't know necessarily – not that I don't know why, because, I mean, obviously they're the Oilers are a good hockey team, but 
they just can't seem to be bothered to lose at all to the Senators. Like it's it's not even even the three two win you know previous. It still was a pretty convincing you know I mean it, it, it was a little back and forth but like I don't think at all during that game I was like ah eh, that's pretty close if I lose yeah you know I mean I don't know that I was ever thinking that so I mean I think they just showed up and said listen here little brother I'm gonna stick out my arm and hold your head and just go haha you can't get me and I think that's what they did in this three-game stretch and just showed up and said no way not gonna happen not today we're and gonna so boost a, ourselves here and a storyline coming out of this game Tyson Berry has been on an absolute tear. He's now up to third in points behind McDavid and Dreisaitl on the Oilers. He's got 24 points on the season. However, 22 of those 24 points have either a McDavid or Dreisaitl connected on the score sheet with them. So now I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter saying that Barry, obviously, and it, I mean, the facts show that he is just, feasting with the McDavid dry time that he's gotten but right. do you think it's more of a guy capitalizing with the talent he's playing with or right do you think it's just someone being in right place right time he's right like he he's gonna put up those points obviously because he's playing with those I mean and there are points like you got to think he's got primary assists on this season like two of his 24 points on this season have come from him standing from his own goal line on the power play and giving it to either McDavid or Dreisaitl. Like he picked up a a goal in the, I believe it was the seven one win where Dreisaitl goes coast to coast, undresses a defenseman and scores. He gets the primary assist on that, that he gave the puck to Dreisaitl by his goal line. Right. Same with the McDavid goal against Toronto. Right. He gets the assist for that, but he was standing back in his own zone when he gave them the puck. So a lot of people are, are giving bury the overrated tag because of this so like what do you what do you think about that i mean i've often said with those two guys the superstars there i could go play and score 10 15 points you know i mean all you gotta do like you said all you gotta do is stand there i just drop the puck and they'll pick it up figure it out but i do think you know he's he's making stuff count i think somebody else could put up good points with them you know i mean obviously playmakers make everybody on the ice better so you know mcdavid and drives that'll both especially together are going to make everybody else on the ice opportunities. But I think regardless of whether it's Barry or not, somebody's still going to score points, but I think because it's Barry, I think they're connecting a lot. Well, a lot better together. You know, I think these guys have some pretty good chemistry going on. They know, you know, what the other guys are going to do. They kind of are in the right spot. And I think he's gotten, I would say he's gotten more points than I think somebody else in his position might get just because he has a little better skill and has connected with those guys better. So I don't know that I would say he's overrated. What other people score in that position? Yes. Would they score as much? I don't think necessarily. So I think Barry's doing a good job where he's at. And that goal versus the second in the second game here versus Ottawa was an absolute snipe. Like, oh yeah. The, the McDavid pass was unreal to give him the amount of time he had to yes. shoot the puck. But you could not have walked up and put that in the neck with, net with your hand any tighter than he did. That was an absolute yeah. night. That one's definitely on a reel in the brain. He, he fell asleep and that one was just going over and over and over until he woke up, for sure. <laughs> he, he, was, he was hearing that sound for a while. Everybody on the ice was, including, including the goalie. 
<laughs> yeah, for real. And so now looking at the third game here, they got the second half of the back-to-back versus Vancouver the next night. And like we said, Smith had started the night before. Koskinen gets the matchup versus Vancouver. And I was most nervous about Koskinen in the first 35 seconds of the game because I'm pretty sure that he has let the first shot on net go in in two games in a row. So I was quite interested to see how he handled that. He handled it quite well. And actually, the Oilers have made a bit of a habit here of coming out really strong in the first 10 minutes. I'd say even all the way back to the series versus Toronto, the first 10 minutes of the game were probably some of their strongest. And this whole first period, I thought they were really strong. They outshot the Vancouver Canucks 13-4 to in the first period. Unfortunately, Thatcher Demko was just unreal in this game. Demko shined a lot last season, and I think that's why they re-signed him and and kept him around and gave him more of a a bit of a longer leash, I would say. They're playing him a little more. I mean, he's a good goaltender. He's hot. When he's hot, he's hot and it's hard to beat him. You know, even if you look later in the game, I mean, he would just played out of his mind in that in that third period. It, it was those final five. It minutes was impressive. Were, exactly. Were That's what, I mean, I thought for sure in that last two minutes, minute and a half, I thought for sure there was a goal going in and it was going to overtime. Like I, I was almost guaranteed. I do think, however, Ballsy call. I, I always think to myself, when, you, when you're up, you have the power play, and then you yank the goalie. Real ballsy call because then they have no reason to not throw the puck down the ice at the net. You know what I mean? So, yes, you get the extra guy, so now you're at a two-man advantage. And, and it worked out because, you know, they were able to keep the puck in a lot. But I always think it's funny because, you know, whenever they take the goalie out, and now it's not going to be an icing either way. So now they have free will just to rip pucks towards the net. I don't know. That's just me, though. It was close. That last minute, like, I was, right, like, you're standing up or you're biting your nails. Right? Oh, yeah. Like that was, it was a good game. Like, you don't get the result at all, but I thought the Oilers played a really strong game. I thought that they deserved, honestly, I thought this was one where they played well enough to deserve to win. And it's unfortunate, right? Luckily, they have a couple this season already that, you know, they probably didn't play well enough to deserve to win, but they walked away with the win. Um, Unfortunately, this is one that goes the other way. A controversial goal call, though, for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, I wanted to talk about that. There was a shot on net, a really big pile up. It sort of leaked through Koskin and the rebound did. Um, eventually it was pushed into the net. Uh, a lot of people were upset because it seemed Koskinen had been shoved into the net. There were some overhead cameras. I sort of went back and forth. Before I give my opinion, though, I'm curious, Kyle, to hear what you think about this. So you give this a goal or no goal? <sighs> I mean, I think it's tough, especially there's so many different angles. You know, I mean, obviously you get your goal line camera. There's the one in the net. There's, you know, so many different camera angles that you can look at. And that's what they're all looking at in Toronto. And I mean, you, you got to look and see, like, is there any goaltender interference? Did the puck go all the way? Like, what's, you know, depending on the goal, it's just there's so many possibilities. I think it, they made the easy choice and just said goal. So I think I, I, it probably nine out of ten times, I think that one – probably goes depends on the, the officiating crew i mean it sucks when you get a pile up in front of the net like I, even in the in the other side there was you know that mad pile up uh, right in front of the vancouver you know thatcher demko right in front of him there was a massive pile up and there was a lot of guys going all over the place and nothing went nothing went in but 
I think if something were to go in, there would be a lot of looks at that same scenario, you know? And so I think if there were to be something to go in and it was a little controversial, I think they would have to call it the same at least. You know what I mean? And, and you that's what you would hope for, at least, is the consistency if that were to happen. This is probably isn't going to make a lot of Oilers fans happy. I saw a lot of people comparison, you know, comparing it to some of the other infamous goaltender interference calls, you know, on, on Edmonton goalies, thinking back to the Cam Talbot one back in 2015 in the playoffs and that sort of stuff, which is funny because that one get, gets brought up a lot. You know, you think of Kessler holding Talbot's pads open. So anytime right. there's a guy sort of laying on the Oilers goalie, you get those side to sides and everyone freaks out. But I yeah. think unpopular opinion, I think the refs made the right call. As someone who's played goalie, as played forward, I watched it. And Koskinen, he, he did the right thing. You're right. He had his paddle down after he was on there. I thought yeah. maybe once he had the paddle down and the puck, because he had put the paddle down and the puck didn't go in for a little bit. I thought he maybe could have done a better job to like, lay out flat right but like he never really had the puck the oilers never had control of the puck i thought the puck was loose the whole time and i didn't think he was really like i don't think he was he wasn't really strong enough to stay in it right i don't think he fought yeah. back really enough to not be pushed in and I, unfortunately i think it's the right call it sucks that it goes against the oilers but i think the refs made the right call and i think that's gonna make yeah. some people unhappy no i, I definitely would agree with that. that's what i was saying is i mean there's so many different angles to look at and and you know did he get should they have blown the whistle this that and the other could they have seen the puck you know it, it doesn't it, it's just one of those things that I watched it a couple times and I was like, oh, he definitely was pushed. And then I watched and one, the head ref is mm -hmm. in perfect position. Like he's standing on the back of the net, like he's looking in it. And then two, I, he, they just never, I think they, the fact that they never had possession or the right the yeah. puck was always loose. I think yeah. is is the main thing here. Like they never really stopped it. It was always moving and always up for grabs unfortunately yep. right it was just on the other side and Horvat bangs it in and then uh the, the Oilers aren't able to come back in this one and unfortunately you know you drop uh you, you lose a quick turnaround game after winning three games versus the Senators so what did you think about this game and how do you think the Oilers because I think it was a good game the Oilers can yeah. be pleased with how they played so how do you think they should they can respond going forward yeah I would definitely say there's there's no reason for them to be um you know super discouraged or anything. I think there was a, they played a really good game. Um, you know, especially that last push was ridiculous. You know I mean? I think they should be proud of the effort they gave there. And I mean, you know, when I was watching it, cause I, I had tuned in for the last, that last push, I, I watched probably the last five minutes or so uh, was what I was able to watch. And, you know, you see it at the end when the horn blows, both McDavid and Drysaddle both kind of unsnap their helmets and skate back to the bench. Like, Oh my gosh. Like, how, how did nothing go in, Demko, right? And they, and they, Demko stole, I'm not, maybe they, they lose in the shootout or in the overtime, but Demko stole them at least to, like, finish that. Oh, point. yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Demko was the first star in this game. Like, he, and unfortunately, yeah, and I, think, I think Demko, though, was one of those goalies, right, is he can go back and forth. We've seen the Oilers beat him pretty easily right. earlier this season, and unfortunately, I think he's one of those goalies that goes back and forth. Once you start yeah. putting a couple past him, Right. You, you, you probably have an easier time, but when he's dialed in like that, like he's yeah. just, you're not when he's hot, he's hot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I think ultimately there's no reason to be discouraged. I don't think you take like, you know, 
any super weight on your shoulders or anything by that means. I think there's plenty to bounce back here, and they'll pick it up. They'll figure it out. So now after these last three games, the Oilers have officially hit the halfway point in their season. So I'm going to read off just a couple stats here, and then we can maybe give them a grade and talk about how we feel they've done up to the halfway point here. So as obvious and Everyone should know this. The leaders in points right now in the NHL and on the Edmonton Oilers. Number one, Connor McDavid, 17 goals, 35 assists for 52 points. Just unreal. Right behind him, though, is Leon Dreisaitl, 16 goals, 29 assists for 45 points. And that is one and two in the NHL. However, actually right behind them in third on the Oilers, like I said, is Tyson Berry, four goals, 20 assists for 24 points. And then right below him for forwards, Nugent Hopkins, 10 goals, 13 assists for 23 points on the Oilers. Uh, how do we feel about the, I guess we'll start with the forwards right now. Um, obviously, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are head and shoulders, God, the, here. the best the best players in the league right now. How do we feel about everyone else though? Nugent Hopkins, Pugliarvi, Yamamoto, what do you think? I think there's an extra gear that can be kicked in. And I think they need to find it. I, I think, you know, obviously I'm not saying everybody should be at 50 points. It's that's not a realistic thing, but there is a big deal when your next forward is 20 points below your second highest scorer. Right. I mean, I mean, there's, there's something to be said about that with Leon having, was it 42, 43 points, 45, 45. So, I mean, you know, with new yeah, no, he's, next tw- he's 22 points ahead of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a that's a, a huge margin. It's not five points. It's 22 points. That's a lot. As we mentioned multiple times, I think the third, fourth line guys really got to step up and, and show that they can convert. I mean, obviously, oh, there's a lot of power play points and, you know, it makes it makes sense. And not everybody gets on the power play. Well, yes, McDavid and Drysdale think... play the full two minutes. Right? Exactly. The, the Oilers don't have a second power play unit. No, it's they 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 move a piece or two. If the they second need to. the second power play is them just switching out Neil for Chase on every now and then. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, obviously there are things to take into account, but I think that you need to find the extra gear in your in your depth and show up a little more. Not that they're doing bad. You know, I don't think they're doing poorly. I just think they could be at a different level than they're at, you know? Okay, so who would you say, I'll say outside of McDavid and Dreisaitl, who would, who's your biggest surprise forward so far? Uh, Pugliarvi. Pugliarvi? Pool party, yeah. All right, so if you're taking Pugliarvi, I'm actually going to say my biggest surprise forward so far, and he hasn't played as many games as maybe everyone else has, but I think Jujar Kara. He was on the taxi squad for a little bit. I think since coming back, he's played some really, really strong hockey um, and really solidified um, a depth role for us down the middle. I'm going to say, though, disappointments, uh, I think take your pick. There's a couple here, but I'm going to say Cahoon. I really wanted Cahoon and Dreisaitl to to really click. I, I, I would have put money on Cahoon. And he could still, but I would have put money on Cahoon putting up 30, 40 points with dry side. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really, I really thought that was going to work better. I'll say tourists. I mean, guys should have showed up, you know, I mean, they picked him up expecting, uh, you know, want a, a big season out of him because he's had them before and, and he's really just not converting the way they wanted him to, you know, same thing. I, I could have, you know, I, I would have easily said, Hey, Kyle Turris, bang. 30 points. Mm-hmm. Sure. 
no problem. And it is not, not looking great. <laughs> so on the flip side though, the defense is scoring at a unreal pace. Yeah. We have yet, we haven't seen the Oilers defense put up points like this in a while. Obviously, I, like I said, Tyson Berry's got 24 points. Um, Darnell nurse has seven goals on the season already. Um, I believe the Oilers are third in defense scoring in the NHL right now. The fact that they've been doing it without Clefbaum has been pretty, right. pretty impressive. Right. At this point in the season, if, you know, if we flash forward, um, you know, from the beginning of the season, remember, we, we flash forward and you tell me, yeah, the Oilers are third in defensive scoring. And then you tell me, oh, yeah, by the way, Clefbaum has not played a single game. I'd be absolutely surprised you know what i mean like nobody expected that to happen at the beginning of the season i, I mean obviously you know the introduction of uh, tyson Berry, i think definitely adds a lot to an offensive defenseman point, point of view and i think nurse has stepped up huge in his offensive production well, that combination of Berry and nurse yeah. i think to be honest i think nurse has been elevating his game just like i think him he him as a player like he's grown a lot he's starting to yeah. reach his potential and i think that helps a lot so i think he's finally starting to hit his prime or his stride as a defenseman nurse yeah. is and he's hitting that right as he is the addition of tyson berry who's a right. smart defenseman offensive defenseman who's played in the nhl for a long time and i think they're just sort of meeting right at the just perfect time and then the addition of mcdavid and they play yeah. hot minutes with McDavid and Dreisaitl, right? Like, uh, I think it, it's just a, it's a perfect storm right now. And I didn't think we expected Barry to be playing as many minutes as he is right now. He definitely is not perfect. Like his foot speed needs help. His, him in the defensive zone is, which still, is hilariously surprising, kind of scary, but like, listen, he transitioned the puck from defense to offense super quick. And he's got, we saw it in the Ottawa game, just an unreal shot. Like the, the Oilers defense has been unreal. Uh, how do we feel about the, the defense so far? I, I think, I think other than McDavid and Drysaddle, I think the defense is surprisingly, again, the highlight of the Oilers season so far. I mean, it, it is a pleasant surprise to see, as you said, you know, Nurse stepping into his own and filling out his own shoes. You know what I mean? Just, just picking it up and developing even though he was, you know, still a top top line kind of guy, uh, you know, last season, past couple going seasons, in, he going is into definitely. This season, I would have said Nurse is a solid top four defenseman. Right. And so exactly. far, as of this season, he's a top top pairing guy. Like right yeah. now, he's our best defenseman. Yep. Yep. I which is which with with Clefbaum out for this season, like we needed that so bad, and it, it's so good to see. Yeah. So I, I think it's definitely, you know, nice to see, um, especially as a defenseman myself, I like to praise the D-men when they're doing a good job. I also like to scrutinize the D a lot when they mess things up because, again, D guy. So I know when they're doing good and I know when they're doing bad. So then the Oilers on a team span standpoint are sitting 18-12 on the season. They have a goal differential of plus 13. They're sitting third in the North Division, currently in a playoff spot. The power play is sitting at 26.5%, sitting in seventh in the NHL. Penalty kills sitting at 75.6, tied for 21st with the Maple Leafs. Um, so bit hot and cold on the special teams there. From a season standpoint, we're halfway. What grade do you give the Edmonton Oilers so far? I'll give them 
I'd say a B because because definitely so C is average, right? C is good degrees. These are our average guys. You know what I mean? And I thought, you know, definitely coming in, I, I had hoped that they would be, you know, an above average team. And there was some stuff that was going, you know, some injuries, the club bomb, and there's just some pieces of the puzzle that were that were a little weird, you know, with the whole goaltender situation at the beginning of the season. So I, I had expected an average season just because of those extenuating circumstances. But even with those, they have exceeded the expectations. I think, you know, are they the best team in the league? Not quite yet. But do I think they're doing a, a good job and staying uh, at staying a contender and being relevant in their division and the league? Yes, I think I think definitely. So there's obviously still some improvements to be made, which is then again why you don't give them an A, but they're doing well. Yeah, I'd say I'd say a solid B plus. Um, I think if you look at where they are, they very easily like the the difference in separation between them and Winnipeg, which is really who they're battling for the second place position, right. is pretty close. And it, it's funny because. At the point where right after they lost to Toronto, I would have said, you know, I think Toronto is probably in a little bit of a higher tier in the North division. But then just saying, seeing the way that the Oilers were able to sort of turn it around and the way Toronto has struggled, I don't think that Toronto is really running away with the division at the moment. I think the division still is pretty much up for grabs. And I I think that with the Oilers trending in an upward direction, I think they could finish out the season strong here and they, they very well could still finish on the top of the North division. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. I mean, still with half a season to play, that's a lot of hockey. And if you ask anybody who's played hockey, that's a lot of hockey to play. There's a lot of stuff that can go wrong. Think about it. Halfway, halfway point of not last season, but the season before who's in the bottom of the barrel, St. Louis blues, who wins the cup, St. Louis Blues. I mean, there is a lot of hockey left to play in a half a season. Alrighty. Well, we have one upcoming game now between episodes here. However, before we get to it, we are going to take a bit of a break. And then when we come back, we'll talk about the upcoming game. We'll get to some NHL news and then we will bid everyone adieu. So we shall be right back. He's my brother, man. And we are the brothers of discussion hosting Red Wings Rant, where tirades and impassioned pleas about your Detroit Red Wings finally have a vote. In a season mired in tragedy and despair, we are here to be your audible Earl Grey, to bring joy, placidity, and perspective to one of the roughest eras of Red Wing history. Ah! We honor the past, find the positives in the present. I swear they're there. And paint the picture of what's to come in the Winged Wheels future. Paul Woods here on the radio broadcast of your Detroit Red Wings, and I'm going to play games like Who's That, Who's that Come on? Where Matt has to try and guess quotes pulled right out of context for Jeff Lashaw, and we got to figure out who that Red Wing is. <laughs> Every episode, we put ourselves in the legendary shoes of Steve Iserman and play Be the GM. Finding ways to ice a competitive team while accumulating assets for the franchise's future. We also shoot the breeze. Some of the great local and national voices in Red Wings hockey, including Ken Kell and Keith Gave and Greg Wyshynski and Ryan Lambert. Check us out every Monday and Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. And check us out live every Wednesday and Sunday for Red Wings reactions and live conversations with you on our YouTube channel, The Brothers of Discussion. 
All righty, and we are back. So like I said before, we are going to talk about the one upcoming game here between episodes. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers after the three-game series versus the Ottawa Senators, the one game versus the Vancouver Canucks are coming up on another two-game series versus the Calgary Flames. They've got one ep- one game, though, between this episode and the next one. So we're going to talk about the first game that's going to be taking place on Monday when this episode that we're talking about is going to be coming out. The Oilers are currently 3-1 and one versus the Calgary Flames on the season series. The Flames sit at a total on the season at 13-12-3. Um, the Oilers, after losing the opening game to them, have won the last three versus the Flames. So what should we expect after a pretty solid game versus the Oilers versus Vancouver where they get the loss and to come up against a Calgary Flames that's still struggling and the Oilers have had their number at least recently? Uh, I think the, the Oilers stay hot against Calgary. You know what I mean? Like we said, um, it was kind of a blowout that first game against Calgary, but then they showed up and just laid the hammer down and said, no, no, no next door neighbor not today i think with the three game win streak against ottawa and the amazing finish against vancouver you know the the push there at the end i think those guys are still looking to win hockey games um especially again another battle of alberta the last one was a little chippier just like i like it so i mean i I would be pleased to see another game of the same caliber and I think the Oilers come out on top on this one, uh, three to one regulation. Three, one win. All righty. So I'm going to say the Oilers are going to win this one. I'm going to say it's going to be a 4-3 overtime win. It's actually going to be a tight game. Uh, However, I want to, uh, because... I, I don't want to make the same mistake. Every Battle of Alberta now, we're going to make a fight prediction, opening fight title card prediction, because I don't want to miss out on. If there's no fights, we, we don't pick up anything. But, you know, we right. saw the Nurse Lucic fight, and I want you to get points for that. So I'm I know, because I, I had predicted it earlier. You were year. so good. You were like happen. a game off. You were a game off. So who do you oh. think starts it off in the Battle of Alberta? Who do you think gets the fight? I think it's a weird one. I'm going to take. I'm gonna take a, a bit of a small guy fight. I'm gonna I'm gonna go wild. Okay. Yamamoto and Manjapani. Oh wow, that's a that's a that's like a midget fight right it's there. A, it's a flyweight belt. That, right, I'm a... looking I'm looking for small feisty stuff. I, I, I'm hoping they get into the trenches with each other and start chirping each other. Your mom's fat. Your sister's hot. You know. Bro, I'm hoping we get though, the good it's, stuff. It's like they like those are both small guys, but they play hard right those are some exactly. feisty guys that'd be a Think good about fight. that that'd be a good scrap that'd be like a, that'd that. be a scrappy scrap like you know they'd exactly. be like they'd be like getting mean about it there's like a lot of contempt in that one <laughs> all right so i'm gonna go i'm gonna say this is gonna be because we saw the neil to chuck we saw the neil kachuk fight We've seen Kara get in a couple fights here recently, but you know what? I think this one's going to be a little bit of a different one. I'm going to say Shason starts us off because he's got a little bit okay. of a temper. He's got a little bit of a fiery side. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's going to be Shason and I thought about back on Shason and Lindholm. Ooh, okay. Fancy, fancy. I think the Flames don't really like that trade in the penalty box, but uh, a little bit off the board. But I definitely think Shason's got that that fire to him to uh, to start a fight. He's he, he's got a, he's got a dirty side, a nasty side to him. 
Yeah, I, I'd love to see either of those happen. That'd be a couple of good scraps there. Alrighty, so then moving on, though, we've got our last little bit, uh, our NHL news and our play of the week. Um, I've got just two pieces for our NHL news. Our first one is a big congratulations to Keith Yandel for hitting 1,000 games played. Sunk. Sunk. <laughs> a big shout out to the Spit and Chicklets. You know, Biz Nasty ever wants to hop on, he is more than welcome to hop on the show. Um, Show up, Paul. Show up. (laughs) However, the other one is Artemi Panarin. We had talked about it earlier, had taken a leave of absence after a bit of a smear campaign from the Kremlin. Artemi Panarin luckily has returned for the New York Rangers. So that is also also good to see. Um, You know, nothing, nothing freaky or hanky happened. He's back to playing hockey. Love to see him and his family safe back in their element. Um, I don't have any other news. Like I said, there's not a ton of news to talk about um yeah, you got anything my friend no nothing really i mean there wasn't a ton that went on this past week you know yeah, in the show other than playing hockey and so playing my hockey. play of the week is going to be a pretty off the board one it is going to be an oiler centric one but it's not someone who normally would ever show up on play of the week so i'm going to give my play of the week to gayton haas the game was Ooh, al- yes. the game was already over the oilers had already won however Gaetan Haas absolutely undresses Nikita Zadorov. Oh, yeah. yeah, Zaitsev, not Zadorov. Yeah. Nikita Nikita is just, you know, the Russian. Some Russian dude. Yeah, you know. Some Russian dude. Um, He undresses, (laughs) uh, you know, he undresses Zaitsev and then goes in and scores just an absolute beauty. And I've noticed that Haas seems to be that guy that always tries like even when the Oilers have obviously won the game, he he always tries. I think back to even um, a couple of years ago in the Battle of Alberta, he scored like right at the end uh, on the breakaway. I think to even in this earlier season versus Ottawa, the game was almost over and he wound up and took a clapper at the last second on a breakaway for no yeah. reason. So like, but play of the week, like, Filthy hands, so just like unreal, and a little bit of strength because he got buried into the into the goal afterwards. But like hard goal and filthy goal. So Gaetan Haas, my play of the week. So mine is not necessarily a, a one play deal here. I, I'm going to give mine to to Eric Chernak of the Tampa Bay Lightning. So it's on Tuesday they played the Red Wings. The game before he took a hard hit. And we weren't sure they they weren't sure if he was going to play or not. You know, they thought maybe he was going to have a bit of a, a conky or whatever. But he shows up the next game and puts up a Gordie Howe hat trick, an assist, a tuck, and a good scrap. It was a good scrap. A couple of big boys. So I, I'm going to give mine to him for that because uh, rarely do you see the Gordie Howe hat trick get thrown around lately. Yeah, Gordie Howe hat tricks starting to become more rare and rarer these days. Exactly. I think I think definitely with this season, it's probably more uh, more prevalent because everybody's getting a little. Uh, there's been a lot more fights this season than there have been uh, in the in the past few seasons, and I think that is because you know we all figured it was going to happen because everybody's playing each other, a lot of chippiness going on, Let's new rivalries forming, over, yeah. yeah, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I love it, so I'm going to give mine to Eric Chernak. Look at you being a beauty. Alrighty, well, those players have gotten our stamp of approval for the week then. I look forward to seeing what the Oilers can accomplish in this coming week. Kyle, you got anything else for us here? 
See you, pals. All righty. Well, thank you very much for listening to episode 17 of the Rig Rats podcast. Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter. It's, that's going to be at the rig underscore rats on Twitter. Um, also follow the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter to keep up to date with all the contests, giveaways, and other content that we put out. That's going to be at HockeyPodNet on Twitter as well. Also, be sure to leave a comment, subscribe, um, leave a review. If you guys want to ask a question and you don't have a Twitter account, leave it in the reviews. I'll go on the reviews and I'll, I'll read it and uh, I'll, I'll start asking Kyle some questions here in the reviews. Uh, it helps out a great deal. That's going to be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to this podcast right now, you can do it. So that would be awesome. Kyle, uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you, my friend. And uh, let's Thanks go Oilers. Me.